Welcome to another episode of Hip Hop Social Worker with your host, Christopher Scott, and I have a special guest in the house tonight, a family friend, Andrea Rideau. Hello, hello. Hi. Look at that applause. You know, I, I'm trying to, <laughs> I don't really like to use too much sound effects on this one, but uh, I feel like the applause was was right on time. All right. <laughs> But uh, Andrea is a a therapist, mm-hmm. a licensed therapist, what do they call it, LPC, what is that? Licensed professional counselor. Man, she's killing the game. <laughs> she's a, she also has a private practice, and um, she created, a, what do you call that? I created a consulting group. Okay, for clinicians of color? Clinicians of color in the PDX area. Damn, and that's fresh. I remember yeah. uh, last year when I was graduating grad school, we kind of had a conversation about really how to how to get our shit off. Yeah, <laughs> you know, say how Eek. to how to make this shit crack because uh, we got to pay the government back. Mm. And <laughs> mm. So real, you know. And the only way to do it is to go out there and get it. So um, this is basically just ask her a few questions. We're talking about her practice. Maybe bounce some ideas of how I practice, things things like that. And um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, me, I'm from Portland. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Southeast, yes. <laughs> um, grew up, went, went to Cleveland High School. Mm. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm one of those people. Real sad. <laughs> um, and I... I don't know. I went to Cleveland. I went to U of O. And then I came back and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like every other human. That's true. And then I was like, I probably should figure this out. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, I really like to talk to people. So maybe I should be a therapist. So, I mean, growing up in Portland, it was a pretty easy transition. I always thought I was going to leave and go to California. I always was like one of those people. Yeah. It was like, I'm getting out of Portland. There's nothing here. Portland's so boring. And then gentrification happened, and Portland ain't boring no more. So I decided to stay. (laughs) And Portland turned into California. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, So, uh, so besides uh, the fact you like, you like to talk to people. Yes. Oh. <laughs> the mic problem. You can you can hold the mic too. If you okay, want. I'm gonna hold it. <laughs> um, besides the fact you like to talk to people, um, was there a different reason why you chose therapy? You know, I actually was like, I kind of just fell into it. I mm-hmm. mean. My mom's a social worker. Mm-hmm. My aunt's a social worker. I grew up in social work. Um, but I've always knew I wanted to do something with people. Um, yeah. I just didn't know what it was. But I remember working at this job where I was like, essentially like a PO. Mm-hmm. It sucked. <laughs> and there was this guy and he was like having people come to his office and like talking about their problems. Yeah. And I was like, what do you do? And he was like, I'm a therapist. Mm. And I was like, how do you do that? And he was like, when I went to graduate school. And I was like, what's graduate school? Yeah. And then he kind of explained it to me. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend who was applying to graduate school to do something else. Yeah. And I was like, huh, I wonder if 
like I can figure that out. Mm -hmm. So really, it was kind of like this serendipitous moment. I was like, well, this job sucks, and I really like school, (laughs) and I really like the freedom of school, meaning student loans and living that life. (laughs) So I just decided, well, I'm going to try this therapy thing. And then once I started to tell people I was going to be a therapist, they were like, that makes sense. Yeah. But I didn't really know that probably my whole life I've done some type of counseling. Mm-hmm. I'm always that person, like, yeah. get your shit together kind of person. I just didn't know I was doing it for free. That definitely makes a good counselor. Yes. A therapist. To somebody, you know, to say, get your shit together. Yes. That was kind of how I fell into it. When I worked uh, in the juvenile detention, I kind of looked for the person who who made the most money mm-hmm. but, but did the least amount of work. Yes, that's <laughs> always the key. It's like, how do you do that? And I was like, oh, so I got to be a, a therapist to do that. All right, well, shit. Let, yes. Let's get on that path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, overall, like, what do you, how do you view, like, mental health? Oh, that, that's a big question. How do I view mental health? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everybody has mental health problems. Yeah. I think that I've always thought everybody had mental health problems. Just like $100,000 education gave me like a name for those problems. Yeah. You still have to figure that out. Yeah. Like I always <laughs> knew that like people growing up, I was like, oh no, she got some issues. Yeah. Or like, mm, he's a little bit off. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I always had a lot of empathy for people and a lot of sympathy for people's problems. But I never knew, like, a name for it. Yeah. So I guess I just think everybody has mental health problems. Like, mental health is just the impact of what happens to a person living in a collective society. I don't think you can live in our society and not have mental health. And I think the people who don't think they have mental health issues... Are probably the ones who have the worst mental health issues. They probably have the most. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess I just view it as just like people. Mm-hmm. People got problems. Yeah. So, uh, w- like, when when did you really um, was able to like kind of pinpoint, you know, um, how to really address mental health problems? I think it was. After I got out of undergrad, I was doing Mm -hmm. this job, and I was working, and I was kind of, like, in the PO realm. Yeah. But, like, I just saw people doing stuff that was, like, stupid shit. And I was just like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why are you doing that? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, like, that's, like, it's because they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Like, if they could actually do something different, they would. Yeah. They don't have the skills to do something different. So I was like... Oh, I can tell you all day, like, stop. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, like, giving you a solution and giving you a name why you can't stop doing that. Yeah. So that's when I was like, oh, that's depression. Yeah. Like, Like, and they're like, I'm lazy. I'm like, no, I think you're depressed. I think you need to go see somebody. Yeah, they're like, I can't do my homework. And I'm like, oh, it's because you're anxious. You have anxiety. Yeah. So, like, um, so, uh, right now, I mean, if, if you want to share, like, uh, you know, besides C4 and your private practice, what do you do for a living? Um, you know, that's fine if you want to. If you don't, that's cool. But 
I work full-time at an agency. Mm-hmm. I'll share that. All right. Um, I have a private practice where it's only part-time. Yeah. Let's be real on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's part-time. It's not a full-time private practice. Mm-hmm. And then I have my consulting group. I just ended supervising, so I also supervise new clinicians. Mm-hmm. I really like doing that. Um, and really, I mean, I have kind of anything that you understand in mental health, I have some type of hand in. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a Jackie of all trades. I'm like, Ooh, I can do that. <laughs> Ooh, I can do that. You got to so hustle. A, I do a little consulting. Mm-hmm. I have an upcoming CEUs where I'm going to give a talk for people on how to start a private practice and be culturally competent. Nice. So I kind of, our conversation a couple months ago where we were like, we got to find something yeah, we gotta to f- do. <laughs> I then found something to do. Yeah. And now I got way too much to do. And that's not a bad problem to have. No. Uh, no. What kind of influences do you incorporate in your practice? What kind of influences? What, what's the what's the driving factor of your practice? What is the foundation? You know, the foundation of my practice, so the name is Uniquely You. Mm-hmm. The foundation is that I just believe that every person is unique. Mm-hmm. And I just believe that, you know, there doesn't have to be a certain type of client and there doesn't have to be a certain type of counseling. Yeah. And so what drives my practice is, like, real talk all day. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to come to me and I'm just going to be like, uh-huh, I can hear what you're struggling with. Yeah. I'm going to be like, okay, <laughs> I hear that's impacting you. What are we doing? We need a plan. Yeah, how are we getting this done? How are we getting this done? <laughs> so my, I really think what drives, like, my supervision, my teaching my talks at conferences, my private practice, is I just try to be honest. Uh I try not to, like, use too much, like, jargon or big words. Or sometimes I think we make things way too complicated. Yeah. And try to, like, name things. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, that person's fucked up and sad. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. We need to, like, name it. Yeah. Major depressive disorder. It's like, they're sad. (laughs) Like, and that's I get pretty it. much it. Yeah, life's sad. It is sad. I think that was like when I was in grad school and, and learning about all these damn, uh, you know, diagnoses and big terms. I kind of, kind of had like a, a realization with myself. Like I'm never going to learn these things. Right. You know, and that's kind of what makes me unique in this kind of uh, practice. Is that like I'm just, I'm just going to give you, you know, what you need. I'm going to keep it simple so mm-hmm. we all can understand it because I feel like that was like, you know, a, 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 that was a big, um, you know, thing that was missing in this field was like, you know, like uh, we have like these, you know, professional um, people that come in their suit and ties and they talk down to you. They give you all these mm-hmm. grandiose words. You're like, fuck, like that's, you know, that's, that sounds, that, that sounds terrible. Like, whoa, I'm really messed up. Yeah, you know, and it sounds like you can't, you know, you can't really, you know, have a way out. And I feel like if I if I could keep it simple, if I could keep it enough to explain to you or explain to a kid, you know, same mm-hmm. way I explain to an adult, then if they can get it, then, you know, that that's what the important part is, not like how smart I sound. Right. You I know? don't need to sound smart. Yeah. I 
I don't need you to ever think that I'm smart. Mm-hmm. That's I true. know I'm smart. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need you. And I know for me, I don't want to ever go somewhere where somebody's like, I'm smarter than you. Yeah. I really try to tell all my clients, like, you don't have to take what I'm saying. That's true. And I will always find you another therapist who may align way better with you. But this is what I got. Yeah. And I, I don't think any of it, I don't think anything that we do in therapy is, like, profound. Yeah. I simply live under the motto that my mom always used to tell me, if nobody taught you, how would you know? Mm-hmm. Simply a lot a lot of this stuff is just nobody taught you the coping skill. Yeah. Nobody taught you how to deal with sadness. Mm-hmm. So how would you know? Yeah. So you pay me to help you deal with that. Mm-hmm. And then you go home. Yeah. My goal for my clients is not to see you forever. Mm-hmm. My goal is to give you some interventions, some coping skills, and then I, I like I want you to go live your best life. Yeah. I'm not I don't need you to see me. I see people are like, I've been seeing my therapist for five years. I'm like, oh. That's a long time. That's a lo- that's a long time. I think that therapist knows how to get their money. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I'm like, and when I five years, that, yeah. that's a commitment. Yeah. That's I mean, a long time. So for me, I simply just believe it's if you don't, how would you know if no one ever taught you? Yeah. And I think a lot of things in my practice, people never were taught. People were never taught how to deal with fear or sadness or shame. So I teach them. Mm-hmm. And then they live their life and they don't need therapy anymore, hopefully. Yeah. And maybe they find another thing and then they're like, hey, this came up. Yeah. Great. I'll see you for <laughs> a little bit and then. Hopefully we get a resolution. Mm-hmm. Resolution base. Yeah. Solution base. That's Solution the best way to base. Do it. What kind of uh, interventions do you incorporate in your practice? So my interventions that I do, I I think because I come from such a community based background, mm-hmm. um, because I think I come from that framework. I really believe, just probably from like my family, where. How I grew up, like, I was just talking to my cousin about this, like, it takes a village. Yeah. I believe in that. Yeah. So, I use a lot of community-based interventions. Like, if you don't know, you need to find somebody who does know. <laughs> if you need accountability, we need to find somebody who gives you accountability. Yeah. If you can't get out of your head, we need to help find somebody who can. Okay. Um, I believe if you don't have it, there's somebody in your life who does have it. Uh-huh. So, when I'm not here, because you only see me for an hour, yeah, somebody else can teach you that. Mm-hmm. So, I use a lot of those. I use a lot of just their own strengths. Mm-hmm. I think that people have the interventions. Yeah. They're just using them in different areas already. Mm. So, like, if you've given up smoking, yeah, you know, somehow you dealt with that. Yeah. You know, like, you were angry for a little bit. For, yeah, you know, for a few weeks. For a few weeks. Maybe a few months. A few months. <laughs> and you dealt with that anger. Yeah. So I believe we can use that as a coping skill. Whatever you did to you for that, we can translate that. Mm-hmm. And we can use that for your anxiety, for your depression. I honestly believe that I'm not giving anything to anybody they already don't have. Yeah. I'm just, like, bringing it out of them. Like, square breathing isn't profound. Mm-hmm. I'm just reminding you to like breathe. Yeah. <laughs> and you just have your voice, my voice in your head that's like, 
stop and breathe. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so I don't really think I'm giving anything, like, too profound. Yeah. Well, you know, but <laughs> you know when you're in crisis, though, you got you got that fight, fight or freeze. So it's right. like I think uh, the people that seek therapy are the people that freeze. Yeah, you know, and it's like I need somebody to help me think, help me like um, rearrange these thoughts. Totally. You know, because I know like when I used to, uh, I used to. Well, I still teach a group. Uh, well, I mean, I haven't done it in a while, but uh, you know, these youth in uh, in detention, and they would always be like, "This shit is stupid." And I would kind of be like, yeah, it, it kind of is because, you know, like you're not going to ever stop and, t- and like count to 10, you know. Right. Like, you know, like so like so so like, you know, I, I'm giving you these 10 uh, things, you know, to do and don't use all 10. Use, you know, like find one. You know? Just one. <laughs> yeah. Find one that works for you. You don't have to you use know? all 10. But it, I always say like. I don't think you're going to count to 10, but you're going to remember me telling you to count to 10. And that gave you three seconds. Yeah. So, <laughs> so hey, we made it a little bit there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> How do you uh, gauge success in, a, in your practice? Oh, that's a hard one. It is a hard one. That's why I asked you. How do you gauge <laughs> success? Uh, success is hard. Success, you mean for my clients or like success for me? For your clients, of for course. Clients. But, well, I mean, you, you can do a little both, you know? Okay. Success for my clients. Um, you know, I think success is insight. hmm I don't always think success is, like, behavior change. Yeah. You know, I think success is you having the insight to know that you have a choice. Yeah. So, if you can come and we can talk through it and you can say, like, these were the pros, these were the cons, and this is why I made the decision. Even though I know it wasn't the best decision in the moment, Mm -hmm. I still made it. Yeah. I think that's a success. Mm -hmm. I think that insight, I'm really insight-oriented. I think that I really come from information and education is power, and enough insight will either make you so uncomfortable that you'll make the behavioral change, Mm -hmm. Or you'll keep doing it, and it will suck, so you'll change anyways. Mm. So, <laughs> I believe that insight will make Damn. you change. Okay. So, it's like, you're, you're going to let me help you change, or you're, hopefully you'll figure it out. Yeah. Because my job isn't... I don't believe that, like, my job is to create a solution. I mm. believe my job is to help you create insight and in why you have the problem. Yeah. And then, if you're ready, we can create solutions. And some of my clients are. They're like, you know... We took some time, we found the insight, and they're like, okay, I'm so ready. Yeah. But a lot of times people aren't ready. Mm-hmm. And so I think success is knowing why there's a problem mm-hmm. and knowing that you can do the solution, but you don't have to. Yeah. You know, there's no, I don't believe there's any have to's in life. It's kind of like how you feel. And some days you like really want to get better. Yeah. And like some days you don't. That's true. So, at least when you're sitting there on the couch and you don't, you're like, okay, you know, but I do know why I don't want to get better. Yeah. And maybe tomorrow's the day. Maybe tomorrow is it. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like the why is always, is more, is, is important. Like, yeah. you, know, like, you know, like, yeah, I might not do it today, but I know what's going on. I, I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm, like, having a trauma response. Yeah. But you're like, cool. 
That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on. That's what I know. I'm angry. Uh huh. I yeah. feel like that is what my job is to do. But if you, when you're ready, you'll make the change. Yeah, that's success. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of a this question. I didn't really. I didn't write this question down. But uh, like when you learned about you know when you got more in depth into like your schooling and like in the counseling world. Were you able to look at your life and kind of pinpoint why you do certain things? A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I think that becoming a therapist changed me completely. Uh-huh. I think the person who I was before I was a therapist, I wouldn't want to be friends with. Mm. I mean, some of my friends who've stuck around. They can see it. I'm like, oh, you're a good person. Do they ever tell you like... No, but you were fucked up. Yeah, they do. Sometimes if I can pry enough, like, I have some honest friends who are like, dude, you sucked. Yeah. Like, you were just, like, you were not good to be around. Mm. And then I have other friends who are like, you were just, like, going through it. And, like, we know. But, like, being a therapist taught me to, like, recognize, like, that's why you do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it finally gave me, like, something I'm good at. Yeah. Like, this is mine, and I'm good at it, and so yeah. I get to do it. Uh-huh. But absolutely. I mean, it 100% changed my life. Sometimes I wonder, like, y'all, like, y'all stuck it out. Yeah. Like, some of my friends, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> We've been friends for, like, 20 years, and, like, whoa. And yeah. they're like, I'm like, no wonder. No wonder that makes yeah. sense. Now I like think about things and I'm like, yeah, I sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely sucked. <laughs> you know, uh, I I did the same thing. Like uh, I like realized like why I collect so much shit. Like you look in, at in this room, you I do. have a lot of a lot of toys, a lot of shoes. You know, and I just it came from like just being a kid and being broke. Yeah, and I just like fuck. I, I mean, I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't have some toys when I was a kid, but I definitely didn't have no shoes. So like when so when I got so when I got some money, I made it a point, like, you know, I'm a I'm a I'ma buy some shoes. Yeah. But but I it feel like at the time, like the time when I pinpointed that, it was like, oh, like I I, I didn't feel the need to collect anymore. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. But I was like, but for a while I was just like I would just go through the motions, you know, just Oh, I was out. I got to get it. You know, I just try to figure out a way to get it, you know, and I feel like as soon as I figured that out, it was like, uh, I'm all right. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, you're like, I, okay, I'm good. You know, so, so yeah, definitely that at least if, if nothing else, that part of learning like about like, um, you know, mental health and, you know, uh, things like that, I was able to go back into, you know, a couple of years ago and figure out like, mm, that's why I like to just to have so much shit. But here's the thing. So mm. you recognize that, right? And yeah. you're like, this is why I collect so many things. But here's where I got caught. Do you tell everybody? Were you like, okay, here's what's up. Like, I'm collecting all these shoes yeah. because of this. So I just need you all to be like, be on board with it. I think uh, when uh, when I found out, I was like, kind of like so excited to put like theory to practice. Yeah. <laughs> That, I mean, I didn't tell everybody that, but I, t- I definitely told my wife. Yeah. Because she had to deal with that shit. You know, uh, I think that was it. Pro- probably it. That's mm-hmm. probably it. Kay. But I definitely told her, you know, because she was the one having to put up with it. So, but yeah, I was like, man, I was like, uh, 
a revelation. You know, I was like, damn, That's no wonder why. Changer. Yeah, it, it really was. And like, as soon as I figured that out, it was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm cool. You yeah. know, I'm good. I don't, I don't need all this shit no more, you know? So, yeah, I was curious to know, like, you know, how, like, when, you know, because, you know, everybody doesn't, everybody can't hang in this field of work, you know? I, so I was just kind of figuring out, like, so, like, like, like how, how do people reflect on their own stuff? Oh, I mean, I think without, I mean, I met one of my best friends in graduate school, mm-hmm. and without her, like, talking me through things, I mean, I, like, had, like, a mini-life crisis. Like, I was, like, what kind of person am I? Like, what did I do? I mean, I started to go back. I remember after my first year, I I went through, like, a grief phase. Like, yeah. I started to go back. I apologized to all these people. I, like, made amends. I was, it was, like... It was some real shit. It was some <laughs> real, like... I had to, like, be, like, I need... I remember, like going MIA for a while mm-hmm. and one of my friends being like what is wrong with you and I was like I just can't believe I did this I had to come back to like one of my friends in like middle school and I was Ooh. like listen we need to like walk through this I feel like you're saying this to me and I've been saying this to you and we yeah. have like this underlying resentment and she was like I'm so happy you're finally being honest with me and I was like oh yeah this is all my childhood. <laughs> and this is all real. This is all real. So yes, I think it definitely changes people for the better. Yeah, but you know there are some of those uh, some of those therapists that can't go into their own shit. Absolutely. But, but we won't. You know, we won't go there. No, we we won't. We won't call them out. But you know, but this is what. Go do your thing because. You can't be helping people if you're not willing to go through your own stuff. Yeah, and that's true. And that's what I feel like I, brought, I, I would bring to, like, clients that I helped. Uh, I was just my authentic self. Yeah. You know? I was, like, a kid would say, hey, are you good at this? I'm like, no, I'm not good at that. You know, because, you know, like, I've worked with some stats that are good at everything. Yeah. You know, and it's like, man, no, I, told, I used no. to tell these kids, nobody's good at everything. You know? Nobody. Nobody's good at everything. I think having... Like, when I write things, like, on the board and my clients are like, you know that's spelled wrong. I'm like, yeah, because I'm a bad speller. Yeah. And that demonstrates humility because I'm not good at everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm real good at emotions. Yeah. But you can correct that spelling because you're a really good speller. <laughs> yeah. And that's good, you know. How does race play into your practice? So, Uniquely You Counseling actually adapted. Mm-hmm. It was... I had this whole, like, slogan. Yeah. I was going to help overworked moms who couldn't find time for themselves find happiness and peace. I was going to help millennials who were stuck in life transitions find their path to happiness or whatever it was. Yeah. And I opened my practice. Mm -hmm. None of those people came. Mm. Not one of those people. I had a vision. I did, like, my ideal client. Yeah. Like, I did my little activity. Like, this is my ideal client. They're, like, upper middle class. They are a working mom. They have kiddos at home. Not one of those people showed up. Not one. Actually, who showed up was a whole bunch of black clients. Mm, They was like, we need you. Yes. (laughs) We need you. The first client I got showed up to my office, and I had a little, like, it was my first client ever, and I had a little... Questionnaire is like, 
you know, why did you find my psychology today? Yeah. And they were like, because I wanted a black therapist. And then over and over and over, it was just like, because I wanted a black therapist. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted a black therapist. And so I just realized that I could have an idea, but that's not who was coming. Yeah. So I ultimately changed my practice mm-hmm. to uniquely counseling offers clients a therapist who looks like them, sounds like them, and can relate to them. Mm. And my find the foundation of you uniquely counseling is me. Nice. So I work with people who struggle primarily with being a minority living in a primarily Caucasian city. Mm-hmm. Most of my clients are from. The East Coast and culture shock. Yeah, and are having a culture shock. And they are struggling, and most of my clients are having some struggles with finding themselves. Mm. And so that's what I do. Yeah. I help them talk about that. And I think having the experience of living this my whole life. Yeah. And just normalizing the experience of like, yeah, that's frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, race plays into my entire practice. Yeah. And what happened is that I had all of these clients flooding in, and I couldn't see them all. Mm-hmm. And so I created C4, mm-hmm. my consulting group, because I had too many clients of color and not enough clinicians of color to refer them to. Yeah. So then I created C4 to give these clients to other clinicians because I couldn't take them all on. Yeah. Yeah. It's an overwhelming response. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and there was no there was no other criteria, but you're black. So uh. literally, I mean, like, I was like, I got a master's, I'm licensed, and they're like, yeah. you're black. And and I, was like, like, uh, I don't care about that shit. And they're like, like, I don't care. <laughs> so um, you gonna help me out or what? Yeah, you're gonna help me out. And and I think also plays into a factor of like I don't bill insurance. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, that's a security blanket. Yeah. Um, they don't want to have a diagnosis. Yeah. And so I think that helps a lot of people feel oh, comfortable. So you, so you don't diagnose them? I don't diagnose. Mm. Because I don't build insurance, I don't have to diagnose. That's true. I yeah. do rule out. Yeah. Um, and I talk to them about it. Yeah. Um, but I think it gives people a security blanket. I think people, especially within the climate that we're in right now, are really scared of any type of documentation. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, nope, don't put that down. Yeah. Don't put that. What Fuck are you that. writing? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. I feel that. So, yeah. So, um, I know you didn't diagnose. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's, because I do have a DSM-5, and it's like, shit, like, if I, hey, hold on real quick. So you said you got what now? You got to look through that shit, you know, but, uh. I guess you can make a cheat sheet, but... I have, like... I've done it at, like, agency work and things like that. But in private practice, unless you're billing insurance... And if you're billing insurance and somebody's going through their insurance, they probably already have a diagnosis. Yeah. And they're calling you and they're like, I have major depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. Also, they, they already know. Yeah, like, they're like, <laughs> so help me. <laughs> like, I've, I've been through this. I yeah. just need somebody who looks like me. Yes. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Well, it, make, it makes not more sense. Like, you're not making sense. I didn't mean to sound like that. I get it. 100%. Uh, So, um, let's see. Why do you think there has been historically a disconnect between communities of color and uh, mental health therapy? 
I think, why do I, I think that there's a fear. Mm-hmm. I think that people are scared. Yeah. I think that there's been a disconnect because there's no trust. Mm-hmm. And whenever there is trust, it's misused or it's abused. Or I think there's a fear um, that that we're going to be labeled or told that there's something wrong with us. Yeah. And I think oftentimes with mental health, you're told this is your diagnosis, but you're not told, like, these are the symptoms and this is the why. Yeah. And I think in particular what happens with um, people of color is that there's this feeling of, like, that person on the other side, and I know I've had this experience of, like, that person on the other side is telling me what's wrong with me, but Mm -hmm. they have no fucking idea who I am. Yeah. And so I think it's hard I think it's hard to start with trust when there's fear and I think you can't let go of the fear if people aren't willing to realize where the fear is coming from. Uh-huh. So I think it's like this vicious cycle that we get into. Yeah. Um I think, you know, I can attest to me and my family, you know, I, I'm shocked that, like, there are people in my family who are like, yeah, I go to therapy. I'm like, what? (laughs) They're like, yes, I do. (laughs) You know, but I also think that comes from feeling like, you know, they got the name of the person through somebody. Yeah. You know, it's not like they called their insurance and got, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, she called Janet and Janet knew Sally and it was like, well... Miss so and so, yeah, her daughter's a therapist. You should go see her. <laughs> it's like, all right, let's look it up. She's like, okay. I think, and I also think that um, now we have more like teens and youth mm-hmm. in therapy. But yeah. I think the disconnect just comes from like mistrust and fear. Yeah, and I don't think it's. I don't, you know, and I think there's also, I mean, that you can also play into, like, aspect of religion plays into that, mm. you know, of, like, yeah. you know, why go to therapy when you go to church, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Or pray, pray. Or pray. Pray about it. Pray about it. You know, I always go, just pray about it. Just yeah. pray about it. And it's like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I pray about it. Still don't feel good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, but I know uh, I was reading an article and said that was, like, one of the bigger things was, like, how religion Mm-hmm. How, how you know because you know um slave culture we just kind of grew up you know with religion and that was kind of a that was our therapy mm-hmm. religion, i don't know if it was you know the most accurate therapy i definitely think religion can be um you know um a protective factor yeah but i don't know like if it should be the the you know the the you know the beginning and the end of your therapy no, I think it's a tool. Yeah. I think, like, therapy, I mean, also when people go to therapy and they're like, it's going to save me. It's like, no, it's a tool. Yeah, it's definitely like, not going to save you. You know, everything's a tool. Yeah. It's still within you, but it's all a tool. So I think there is that part, too. And I think resources, I mean, there's so many reasons why there's a disconnect. But, I, mm. I mean, I have hope. And I think it is changing. Yeah. I think, you know, there's been... A lot of celebrities coming out. I think there was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, a couple of months ago, there was a big article about it. I, I think it's changing. Yeah. It's slow moving. Yeah. But yeah, because uh, 
I was talking to my dad last week, and um, you know, his idea of mental health was like, uh, like severe mental health. Mm. So, I, so I think that kind of played into it too. Like, you know, either you were in a mental home, or you were okay. Oh yeah. You know, like it wasn't like like I was living with anxiety, or you know, living with depression, or like like there was like no low, mild, or severe. It was like either you were bat shit crazy, right, or you just You're live cool. your life. Yeah, you know, and I think that's like a survival mentality. You know, cause, absolutely. Because we've been through so much as like as a as a community, you know, and I just feel like that you just learn to kind of just buck up. Buck up. You know, and just keep going on with your day. Yeah. You know. I think that happens, and I mean, unfortunately, bucking up only lasts so long. Yeah. True. So, True that. eventually, you're going to need a little something else. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. Uh, how do you know when it's time to in- disengage from a case? Oh, I know when it's time when... <laughs> When Drea is there and Andrea can no longer be found. Oh. When, <laughs> when I can't, like, when I start, I, I have, a, like, I can get a visceral reaction. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it happens with, oh, I mean, I think it happens with me. I think it happens with a lot of people of color. Like, I don't show up as Drea at work. I am Drea 100% of my life, but at work... Yeah. I'm Andrea, right? Yeah. You know, I can't show up and be like, talk the way I talk to my best friend, to my receptionist, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To my clients. Mm-hmm. Not the same. Yeah. I gotta have a little professional hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and I think that piece of like, doing that is when, when I am so invested or frustrated that Andrea is gone and Dre is this there and I'm like, all right, like, honestly, we're done. Yeah. Like, when I, and I know that moment. When Drea checks in, I got to step out. Yeah. And I've had that moment a few times in my career, and every time it's happened, like, I first go into, like, this shame response of, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. And then I go into my defense response, like, fuck that. Yeah. I can't believe they took me there. Yeah. Like, what are you talking, like, what? Yeah. So I know, like, when Drea shows up, mm-hmm. I got to disengage. If I can't be Andrea, I got to be an Andrea to keep my job. Yeah, that's true. So if Drea shows up, she can't run this private practice. She can't She can't run this consulting group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Drea can't be doing things like that. So it's going to be too lit. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's going to be bad. <laughs> so at that point, I got to just, like... End. Okay. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Uh, so, as a person of color, how do you survive in like the in the white dominant field of a uh, therapy? You know, because it's a lot of it's a lot of that in our field. You know, I don't think I realized it was that until. I re- like until I work through my own stuff. Okay. So, I mean, I think I'm still like learning how to survive and learning how to like negotiate what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um I think that I survive by 
I have a lot of people around me who who know the difference between Drea and Andrea mm -hmm. and allow me to kind of like waver between, but like still keep me like, yeah, like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, now, now you're about to cuss her out. And I'm like, yeah. all right, all right. <laughs> Let's reel it back Let's in. Let's reel it back in. Um, mm. But I also just think that, like, I, I, I've just learned that it's a part of my reality because it's never been any different for me. The mental health field doesn't reflect any different world. Yeah. I grew up in Portland. Yeah. I went to Cleveland High School. That's true. You did go to Cleveland High School. So, I mean, the, the mental health field reflects everything I have had my entire life. So it actually doesn't feel any different. I think that I'm just different. I'm more aware of it. In high school, I didn't know. Yeah. You know, in college, I didn't know. In graduate school, I kind of knew what was going on, but I really didn't understand. Mm -hmm. But now I know, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That's some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mental health field reflects what I've always known. It's mm -hmm. just, I'm different. And I'm more vocal about it. Yeah. And I think I've always na navigated through a white world really well. Yeah. Um, I think I've... I, I've had to learn that. Yeah. You know, because I grew up in Northeast Portland, and everything I did was black. You know, up until college... And when I, the first time I seen like somebody like voting for George Bush, I was like, how the, it, like my mind was just blown. I was like, how the hell could you vote for George? Because all I knew was like, you know, black people. And they, right. they wasn't really fucking with George Bush. Not the black people I knew. Anyway, right. Black people, I guess, you know, whatever. But uh, it was just like mind blown. So like, so that was something new I had to learn. And I'm still kind of trying to figure it out. But it is, you know. It is hard. It I and I and I think it's it I think because I'm biracial and because mm -hmm. my mom is white. Yeah. And I grew up in Southeast. My whole family grew up in Northeast. Mm -hmm. And my dad was the only one out of a family of like a bajillion yeah. who moved to Southeast. So mm -hmm. I learned how to negotiate in a white world real quick. Yeah. I was in a white sorority. I mean, <laughs> let's be very clear. So I can negotiate real well. Yes, yeah. I just haven't ever learned how to negotiate being black. Yeah. And so that's probably what I've learned in the last two years. Like, mm -hmm. I've always known I'm black. Like, I've always been... I can't hide. I'm six yeah, foot yeah. tall. Yeah. Right? You know? Like, I, you can't, I don't blend. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I've never negotiated being in a white world, being black, being me, being Drea all the time yeah. and I think that's different and okay. because I'm with the same people who I've known for the last five years in my career they're kind of like who's this and yeah. I'm like oh yeah. she's here yeah. <laughs> I, I have arrived I have arrived <laughs> we've been waiting for this moment I feel that so uh, this is uh, kind of winding down this is one of the most important questions I have to ask you are you Kay. ready? I'm ready how do you practice self-care? How do I practice self-care? Well, recently, I have a green thumb slash brown thumb. Mm. Um, I have a garden. Okay. I'm super into my garden, which means that I'm going to be into it until I kill everything. Yeah. Um, you know, 
self-care in my head was always like bubble baths and massages. Yeah. And like, that's what like everybody always told me self-care mm-hmm. was. That is not my self-care. Yeah. Like, honestly, my self-care is like Taco Bell and Netflix all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is my self-care. My self-care is, like, telling my friend, like, let's go get sushi right now in cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> let's go do it. Let's go. Like, my self-care isn't that thing that I thought it was supposed to be. I tried all that. I tried pottery classes. Yeah. I tried, like, I do like crafting. Yeah. That's my thing. I mm. really enjoy crafting. But, like, not as much as I like Netflix and Taco Bell. That's true. I mean, that's a, that's a hard combination to, to <laughs> fuck with. You know? so, I mean, my self-care is like, yeah, that's what I do. And I also vent a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I spend, I mean, I have a therapist. Yeah. That's my self-care. I spend a lot of money on that lady. <laughs> so much money. See her weekly. Yeah. She's expensive. I have a best friend who I call all the time who's also a therapist who I've been to, mm-hmm. who I, like, force into a room. I'm like, listen to me. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, but it's not cheesy things. It's not, like... I mean, the gardening thing is going to be one summer, and then I'm going to be over that. Yeah. It's kind of like the pottery yeah. class. It's going to be one summer, and then be over that. But, like, my constant is, like, good Netflix. Yeah. Some good fast food, maybe Arby's if I'm feeling expensive. Arby's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in grad school reading an article about like that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of self care you were uh, describing, like uh, shopping and bubble baths, and you know, somebody else was like, um, you know, my self care is fucking cleaning up. Yeah. Because I'm busy as fuck. Right. <laughs> you know? My self care is. And I'm like, stressed. Yes. You know, so when I find time to clean up or. Fucking sleep. Sleep. <laughs> you know. Oh, so. I love to. I mean, if there is a hobby that I am so good at, yeah, sleep. I was actually working on an article called like uh, the shade of self care, <laughs> because some people self care is like okay, Nordstrom's, you know, right. shopping spree. <laughs> it's really. I mean, because you can get real shamed for your self care. <laughs> for real, you know, it's like all right, we get it. You know, you like to go spend five thousand dollars. Right. You know, I got you. I, I'm i here with you. Right, because really, <laughs> honestly, like, when I think about, like, the massage, it's like, that massage is good for an hour and a half, but, you know, like, that Netflix, like, the show that I'm into, mm-hmm. like, that DIY show, that can last me a good 13 hours. Yeah, So, an hour and a half compared to 13 hours, like, that's some real self-care. So, never yeah. underestimate Netflix for self-care. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. All right, so uh, I'm gonna put these two last questions together. Okay. First part is how did you build your private practice, and what is your goal for C4? Okay, I built my private practice by reading a lot of articles and literally starting from square one. Like mm-hmm. I. Had ne- I don't even know anybody who owns a business. Like, I... Yeah. So, I just, like, Googled a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how to start a private practice. He was like, all right. Let's <laughs> I was like, follow these steps, starting yeah. a private practice. And, like, I went off of, like, my gut a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I was like, okay, I got to get a bank account. So I like went to the bank and I like showed up and I was like, um, I'm starting a private practice and a business and they say I need a bank account. And they were like, okay. Yeah. So I really started it off of like, the first thing I did was like, why? Why do I want a private practice? Mm-hmm. And then I Googled a lot of things. Yeah. And I had friends around me who like, when I felt like this is a stupid idea, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. They said, this isn't a stupid idea. Keep doing it. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. And they were like, keep doing it. Yeah. So I really started by Googling a lot of things and going on a whim, finding a space, mm-hmm. creating old, like, word PDFs yeah. to make, like, my consent forms. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only had, like, a couple hundred bucks, so I had to do it, like, as cheap as I could. And the most expensive thing I knew I was going to spend was my liability insurance. Yeah. So I just kind of did what I could, and I knew that I didn't have a lot, but I also knew that clients didn't care. Yeah, that's true. So I started what I had. Mm-hmm. And then what is my goal for C4? Yeah. My goal for... Clinicians of Color Consulting Group is to have a group that allows clinicians of color to have financial independence Mm -hmm. through inter-referring to one another and to have a group that can support one another and that can take our clients... And support them in a way that we know they should be supported. Okay. I really believe that C4 is a group that can help our community. Yeah. I just know, and like in my being, in my soul, that it is going to work. I don't know how it's going to work. Yeah. (laughs) But my goal is to have like C4 and to have like the psychology today of C4. Mm Mm-hmm. To have clinicians of color and clients of color go to those clinicians and we enter referral and we have a community and we have our own therapeutic groups and we have our own community meetings and we serve our community Mm -hmm. that our clients don't go through insurance first, that they go to C4 first. Yeah. Nice. So that's my goal. That is pretty nice. All right. Well, uh. I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me. Thank you, thank you. As I try to build this this thing. You know, I'm trying to get like you, you know, on the conferences and letting people think I'm I'm the shit and giving all these. You know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day, you know, I can set my game up. Uh, do you want to uh, go ahead and tell them where they can find you at? So you can find me at Uniquely You Counseling. Um, uh, we have a website. You can also find me on Psychology Today, and you can find C4 at c4pdx.com. Um, and that's where we have all our clinicians listed. Um, C4, we also have an Instagram at c4pdx. You can find us on LinkedIn at c4pdx. So that's uniquelyyou.com and c4pdx.com. Nice. I know I got about a good five listeners, so, you know. Nice. <laughs> so, you might get five new followers. Awesome. <laughs> we have three. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, you can find me at hiphopsocialworker at gmail.com, Twitter, HH Social Work, 
And like I said last week, I am not too scared to ask for donations. Cash app, cscott85. Yep. <laughs> and I appreciate you, Drea. Thanks. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. We nailed it. I think so. I think so.